0: Learn more at Marines.com. What's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnonTheJets.com. Today we're gonna to do a bi-week Twitter mailbag, go for about twenty minutes, answer all the questions you guys send in throughout the week, touch on a wide range of topics as the Jets come out of the bye week and get ready to play the Philadelphia Eagles. As of now, we don't have word on if Sam Darnold will play or not, but fingers crossed, that seems to be the expectation. Uh, As a reminder, promo code OVERTIME for the Vivid Seats mobile app, 10% off on any ticket purchase you make, up to $100 we record all these episodes, courtesy of the Vivid Seats studio, so use that promo code OVERTIME in their mobile app. Also, need to remind you guys that at the end of a hard week, great to sit down Take some time off, watch some football, game-winning touchdowns, two-minute drives, running backs, racing down the sideline with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better ways to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if it was not the best service out there. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Join now, and they will double your first deposit. Use promo code Turn On The Jets to activate the offer. That's promo code Turn On The Jets. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's jump into your questions now that we're through all the, uh, the PSA paperwork. Again, you can tweet these over to Jay Caparoso on Twitter, and we will answer them usually about every uh, week or so. Uh, let's dive right in with our first one off the top, bringing it up from at MikeCav33. What do the Jets have to do to win next Sunday? Well, the simple answer is score touchdowns with their offense because they're not going to win any football games if they can't uh, score offensive touchdowns. Let's operate under the assumption that San uh, Darnold is back. Uh, They're going to need to get him on the move, get him outside of the pocket, have him attack down the field, play up tempo, mix and match with their play calling. Things like Le'Veon Bell only having 13 snaps at receiver for three games has to stop. You got to use his versatility. You got to use Ty Montgomery's versatility. So you have to attack down the field with Robbie Anderson. Everything we talked about all summer, what we you know hoped we'd see from this offense, and you know, while I wasn't bullish on Gase, I thought the offense looked really good all summer, and I thought we were going to see an offense that, at a minimum, would be able to score, you know, score some points with some consistency. And uh, instead, we've gotten the Ryan Tannehill offense. No matter who's been playing quarterback this year, so the Jets are going to have to find a way to score points. Philly. It's coming off a huge win against Green Bay. They're going to have a couple extra days to rest because they played on Thursday night. Jets have never played well in Philadelphia. It's a tough game. Uh, they're probably going to be eight, nine-point underdogs. Um, so they're going to have to come out with an entirely different offensive approach and hopefully catch Philly off guard. Uh, and that's their best chance to score an upset. Uh, you know, these next three are going to be games they're seven to ten-point underdogs in. Uh, you know, Your hope is that the return of Darnold gives a shot of juice to the entire offense. And even if they don't have Darlene and have to play another game of Falk, you still have to try to win. You have to do some things outside the box. you got to do a surprise onside kick, do a trick play, do a fake punt, do something. Just show that you're going to compete, which is it's not something they did in the New England game. And, you know, I don't think anybody would be shocked if they lose by double digits to a team like Philly, but at least go out and compete. Don't just go down and lay down, which is what they did against New England. All right, Next question from at Dual 75. Philly's secondary looked bad last night, but I'm worried about our bad offensive line on the road against their defensive front. Would it make sense to give Sam one more week of recovery to protect our biggest asset? I would say and I have to imagine the Jets are thinking this way, if he is not 100 percent, they are not going to play him. even if he's you know 90 percent and there's a small risk it does not make sense long-term to not give him another week. This is a, a pretty serious illness. One wrong hit to the spleen can end his season uh, and maybe even do worse damage than that. So I, I hope they're doing the smart thing and not rushing him back. You know, Dallas has a really good front, too, so it's not like the schedule is getting any easier. And then New England and then Jacksonville. So you know, when he's ready to play, play him. But make sure he is 100% ready to play because it's just not worth the risk for a guy who's 22 years old uh, and has a, you know, a seri- returning from a serious condition. I think we'll get a final answer on Monday, whether he's cleared to play or not. Uh, let's hope it's that. That would be on the real short end of the recovery. Uh, would not be shocking if he doesn't come back until Dallas, but I'm sure the Jets will be cautious with it. Next question uh, from Alan Schechter. What can Gase do to show that he's actually improving as a head coach, other than winning games? Of course, at this point, we are seeing the same guy that lost his locker room in Miami. Well, look, winning games is obviously the first step. I think showing some flexibility and versatility with his play calling and doing things that are not considered traditional in his system, I think taking some accountability. Don't come out after a game and say the game plan was fine, the execution wasn't. No one wants to hear that. Stop throwing other people under the bus every single week. That is what part of what undid him in Miami. He has to take more accountability and has to show that he's not going to be the exact same guy that's equally as important as this team starting to win some football games because the reality is he is up against it. If he does not, I would say, win more than six games this year, the Jets are more within reason to fire him. Um, he the burden of proof is on him to show that he changed and show that he knows what he's doing. The guy is 0 six in his last six games. At a certain point, you gotta find a way to win a football game and score some touchdowns. Otherwise what are we, you know, what are we doing here? What is the reason to waste another year of Sam Donald's rookie contract with him? So Let's hope he's a different guy with a different offensive strategy coming out of the bye week. Uh, and the Jets could go on a little bit of a run. Let's see. Got this question a few different times. Just wanted to clear it up. Herndon is not back for the Eagles game. It's a four-game suspension, not four-week suspension. So he'll be back for the Cowboys game. Uh, in terms of other guys who we should expect to see return, darn aside. I would imagine both C.J. Mosley and Quentin and Williams should be ready for the Eagles game, so it'll be nice to get them back. I think Jordan Jenkins' injury may end up lingering a bit longer, but the assumption and expectation seems to be that Mosley and Williams will be back for this game. As for Herndon, we won't see him back until the home game against the Cowboys. Let's see. Question from at Dante J. Messini. Are we capable of having a blowout win this season? I mean, let's start with a normal win before we worry about a blowout win. You would think with two games against Miami, a game against Washington, even, I guess, a game against the Giants, that there could be a blowout in there. But to do that, you need your offense to score some points. So, yeah, if Darnold comes back and he's playing to the expectations we had for him this year, they get a little healthier across the board, sure, I could see them blowing out Miami in one of those games and maybe blowing out a team like Washington. I would not say it should be the expectation, but, you know, these things happen. You know, just like teams get blown out every week, the Jets, I'm sure will stumble their way into a blowout win at some point. Uh, but for right now, it's kind of hard to even think about that. It's just, just win one game uh, because I think everyone's operating assumption is that this team's going to be 0-6 or 0-7. So, you know, you go into Miami, if you're 0-7, why is anyone assuming you're blowing anyone out? Just get one of these upset wins, and then you, you take it from there. Uh Next question from Tony Pajamas 2018, what's the best thing the Jets can do to upgrade or improve their offensive line during the regular season? I think the first thing to do and that they'll probably do over the bye week is go back to Jonathan Harrison at center. I don't think that's a cure-all, but I think he'll be better than what they've gotten from Ryan Cleal, and he'll have a little more chemistry uh, with the guys around him as he practiced as a starter all-off season and started with a few of them last year. I think that would be one step. I think I would not be surprised if they gave Alex Lewis a long look uh, over Brian Winters because I don't think Winters will be here next year. Um, and then by the end of the year, if the Jets are, are out of it, I wouldn't be shocked if they played Chuma Doga a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be an improvement. And I still think they're probably going to have to go outside the organization for a new tackle or two next year. Uh, but in the interim, I think we'll see Jonathan Harris start at center, followed by Alex Lewis starting at guard. Uh, within the weeks after that and then they'll probably assess from there Uh, but this is going to be a unit that needs three to four new starters next year honestly if not five new starters five and one offseason is probably ambitious but I think a minimum of three is going to be the target number for them Uh, question from Michael Koss if the Jets keep losing which member of the coaching staff becomes the first fall guy Uh, it's an interesting question I don't know if There'd be any in-season firings, uh, just with how they're structured. Maybe you'd see something like Gase gives a play calling to Jim Bob Cooter or Dallas Loggins, but I don't know how much that really is going to solve. If, for whatever reason, the Jets, decide, let's say the Jets go 4-12 and and they decide they don't want to clean out the staff entirely, uh, and they want to keep Gase, which I would disagree with, and then it goes right to you know, the other coordinators, does it, is it Craig Williams who has to be the fall guy, even though he's done a good job so far Is it Brandt Boyer, uh, because the Jets couldn't figure out the kicking situation. I don't know if those are necessarily fair moves, but if you're going to keep the head coach, it's going to be one of the other coordinators who takes a fall, or maybe he fire, fires Logan Logans and promotes, you know, Jim Bob Cooter to call plays or bring someone in externally. I don't know. In my mind, if you're you know, if you're getting rid of chunks of the coaching staff, just clean out the coaching staff and start from scratch. The next question from at SpaceGhost442. Is Gay safe if the Jets are off of this year due to his Douglas connection and injuries? I think his Douglas connection is a little overstated in some fans' minds. I think, yes, they have a working relationship, but... Douglas has a much longer, more robust contract, and I think has much more rope than Gase does, uh, considering some of the other changes the Jets made in the front office and with the team president. I think it's really more his organization now than Gase's. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that Douglas is going to be like, well, I have to keep you know Gase no matter what the situation is. I think the injuries are going to play into discussion, but as we've said a few times in this pod and on the site, it can't be a hall pass season. Gase isn't a rookie head coach. Uh, he's a guy who struggled a lot in Miami, and that's why this wasn't a popular hire. So he has to show something this year that he learned from Miami, and it's not the same guy. Or the Jets are just going to be wasting years of Sam Donald's rookie contract. So I think, regardless of injuries, if this team can't get to you know six, seven wins at least, he, he has to go. You can't keep this guy if he goes three and thirteen, four and twelve, five and eleven, regardless of what you know the circumstances are. Uh, just because they spent too much this offseason, and the clock is ticking on Donald's contract. And really, I understand there's a relationship between Gase and Douglas, but Gase is an old-regime holdover. Mike McCagnin made the decision to hire Adam Gase, and Mike McCagnin was wrong about just about everything, so why would he have been right about the coaching staff decision? It's still a leftover from that last regime. So I, I, the short answer is I'm hoping that if the Jets are really bad, there is no hall pass given because of the injury situation, and I do think the connection between Douglas and Gates would not prevent Douglas from making what he think is, thinks is the best decision for the organization, so we'll see, uh, you know, how it plays out. Uh, question from Jeff Jamitro at Obiz Money. Could you please just bash Leonard Williams for 45 minutes? I'm not going to bash Leonard Williams for 45 minutes. I think I, I've made my point about how I feel about his play over the past couple of years. It feels like everyone's kind of people who had not come around in it are starting to come around on it. I just see a guy who's starting to skew much closer to being a jag than a great player. You're giving a second contract to. I understand there's some unhidden production at a certain point. I don't care. You got to make plays. The guy's invisible far too frequently, and I really believe that hypothetically, if you traded him and Henry Anderson at the deadline for, let's say, a fourth-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and you started Kyle Phillips and Bronson Kafusi and Steve McClendon and Foley-Fat and, and John Franklin Myers, I don't think it would have any notable impact on the Jets' defensive line or the Jets' defensive production or the Jets' overall team record. So these are replaceable positions. The Jets have found young, cheap, cheap talent who could do most of what these guys do, and I think it would just be Completely insane to invest massive money in Williams long term, and I I don't think they will. I I just don't see a light switch coming on after the bye week and him having some great year. I'm sure he'll break through and have a a couple big games, but the consistency won't be there. And I think they're going to move on and reallocate their resources to edge rusher and cornerback uh, when you're talking about the defense, never mind offensive line on the other side of the football. You just can't win in this league going so heavy investing in interior defensive linemen. The Jets have been ludicrous with how over the top they've been with it. Have Quentin Williams swap in for Leonard Williams when he gets back and move on. It's time. It's not working. Uh, he's just not an impact player enough consistently to get the, the money that he'll probably be asking for on the open market. From at bruh. Over under 1.5 touchdowns scored by the Jets offense versus the Eagles. If you ask me right now, I don't know how you wouldn't bet the under uh, because there's no guarantee Sam Donald's going to play, and the Jets have one touchdown in three games. Adam Gase has three touchdowns in his past six games. I really hope that this is the game that sort of breaks them out of that trend and they could score, you know, a handful of touchdowns. But right now, you gotta kind of bet the under until they prove they could score points. Uh, it's you know it's kind of crazy. They had two very fluky, kind of meaningless touchdowns against New England scored by the special teams in the defense. Uh, so they really haven't done anything offensively since the third quarter of week one, uh, which is kind of insane to, uh, to wrap your head around, Again, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Uh, question from at JWP1022. Over-under on three new starters on the offensive line next year. I mean, three is the right line. I would bet on the over, I think Douglas is going to go above and beyond. If you just look at the contract situation and the Jets' current offensive linemen, nobody's really guaranteed to be back next year. I think they're going to have a pretty clean out with guys like Winners and Beecham. Uh Even with Osemely, they can make a decision on his contract. Cleo obviously won't be back. I'm not necessarily sure Harrison's going to be back. Uh... I think three is, is a minimum of what they have to do. Four is what I would like to see. Buffalo did four this offseason, and they're doing just fine. Uh, so I, I would like to see the over. The final question before we wrap, and thank you again, everybody, for your questions. If Adam Gase is asked, Joe Douglas owes him nothing. I agree. What are some candidates you like? This question came from Crash at Masal Brassani. It's so early to tell, man. Um,. It's going to be really interesting to see, like, who the quote-unquote hot candidates are. Would the Jets take another run at Matt Rule? Uh, would they look at Kellen Moore? If everyone starts looking at him, as the new Sean McVay, and Dallas has a, you know, a really big year. Uh, would they go back to Chris Richard from Dallas, uh, who they interviewed? Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, would he be an option again? Um, college ranks, other guys? Uh, I don't know. I think it's, you know... Would it be someone from the Eagles staff? Uh, what's his name? Kafka, maybe. Someone on the offensive side of the ball over there that Douglas has a history with. Uh, maybe someone from the Ravens staff due to some of the front office ties there. I don't know. It's, it's, it is kind of hard to talk about this right now, just like it's hard to talk about some of the draft stuff. And we're already getting a crazy amount of draft questions, and I get it. But even I would say it's too early for that. They get to 0-6, 0-7. Yeah, let's talk about the draft. 0-3. If they can win one of these next three games, maybe there is a run to be had. But I think you got to win one of the three of them. Yeah, I'm going to start calling them one of the four of them. Everyone's kind of cutting off the hard part of the schedule with New England. I think at Jacksonville is like going to be a pretty hard game just because of their defense, their defensive front. And Minshew looks okay, like competent enough uh, for what they do on offense. We'll you know we'll get a better feel the next few weeks. But you got to get through this seven. I would say two and five. You know, one and six or one and seven. It's your season shot. I mean, not saying that 2-5 and is a great situation, but there's somewhat of a faint pulse there. Uh, So we'll see how that plays out. It does seem kind of crazy to think about going through the entire head coach cycle again, but it's a brand-new front office. I mean, I think it's hard to overstate just how much changes the Jets made at the top-top of their organization, right? I mean, the ownership's a little bit in flux. We don't know what the Woody-Chris status is going to be next year. Uh, A lot of it will probably depend... About what happens with the election and this administration, which is you know, a whole separate conversation. Uh, they have they fired their longtime te- team president Neil Glatt, and they promoted you know somebody else internally to that role. Um, Douglas hired a handful of executives uh, for his front office. He brought back Rex Hogan. He hired Chad Alexander. He brought over Phil Savage. You know those are kind of your new f- top four guys, uh, none of whom were here uh, when the Geese decision was made. So. That, plus a new team president, plus a question at ownership, it's a completely new hierarchy. So, Gase is really, Gase and his Miami staff that he brought, uh, which is mostly what he has outside of Greg Williams and his son, uh, is a very much of a relic from the old regime. So, I don't know what the patience will be or how the Jets will go about the search with this sort of newly structured hierarchy. I mean, I really think the way the Jets are built now, it's built to be Joe Douglas's organization and... You know the clock goes on him after this season. It, I, I really—I I said it as a joke, but it's kind of true. Any loss this year goes on Mike McAdams. This is Mike McAdams' roster, so he's 24 and 43 now as a GM. I'm not calling Joe Douglas Owen three as a GM because this isn't his team. He inherited this team, and we got to start evaluating him starting next off season. Uh, this is really Adam Gase and Mike McAdams' roster. Um, and they're the ones who are accountable for the wins or losses. Just like if they'd start 3 0, those would be free wins for McCagden. But of course, that hasn't been the case. Um, all right. We'll be back on Thursday uh, to preview Jets versus Eagles. Uh, you know, keep with our normal rotation of episodes. Appreciate everybody listening. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. As everyone knows, the podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, where we need those ratings and reviews. Thank everybody for listening. Thank you for tweeting over your questions, and we will talk to you next week.